Welcome to day 52 of Shaped by the Word, season 2, the drama of Scripture, and certainly the drama of Joseph's life, which a large portion of Fiona Genesis is devoted to, is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, the highs and lows in his life are astounding, but uh, more than that, God's hands on every movement of his life uh, is absolutely astounding. And of course, it's a big reminder to us that God is working when we uh, since things are going very well and God is working when things around us, it seems, couldn't be any worse. That God in his sovereignty is doing what Paul has, you know, so capably described him of doing is causing everything to work together for our good. Uh, because we love him and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't mean that everything in our life will be good and everything in our life will be equally exciting. It just means that God knows how to. Uh, put the breast strokes on the canvas in order to complete a picture in a beautiful way and he is working in all things for the ultimate good uh, not only of all people but every one of us will experience it in him as, as well so we come to uh, chapter 42 uh, ironically joseph has named one of his sons manasseh uh, you know god has helped me forget uh, my troubles in my father's household uh, but he's about to come face to face with his father's household uh, in chapter 42. So before we uh, read, as always, let's pause. Um, mm-hmm. Let's uh, reflect on the privilege we have to hear God's word, uh, the gift that he's given us in his word, and, and the work he's doing in us through his word. Thank you, Father. Genesis 42. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why don't you just keep looking at each other? I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's son were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all of its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I have told you, you are spies. And this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not live this this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you're telling the truth. If you're not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. If you're honest, men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. 
They said to one another, Surely we're being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why the distresses come on us. Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys, and they left. The place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of the sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other, trembling. He said, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to their father in Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that happened to them. They said, The man who is lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of one father, one is no more, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is lord over the land said to us, This is how I'll know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me so that I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I'll give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You've deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. And trust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. Hmm. What an interesting, uh, what an interesting turn of events! And of course, most of us heard the story so many times that it uh, hits us with a ring of familiarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the amazing things is you know the last verse in chapter forty-one. Uh, was all the world was going to Egypt, and uh, how how ironic that you know, all the world traveling to Egypt that uh, Joseph spots his brothers and his brothers come in fulfillment of a dream and bow down uh, bow down before him, and uh, Joseph is uh, put his brothers to the test. He's not nearly as harsh with his brothers as his brothers were with him, but uh, he uh, is certainly testing their mettle. Part of me wonders if he's reacting at, um, to them at the beginning, kind of with with the whole spy thing. I don't. Maybe it's just a part of his plan, but just remembering that he's human and that he has human emotion. Um, I can't imagine how shocking um, and how many emotions are going through him at that moment when he is speaking to them and they have no idea who he is. Um, and I, I do love the in verse 24 that it tells us that he turns away from them and, and weeps. Um, so he has to kind of take a minute and kind of pull himself together. But um, so many emotions, so much maybe anger and resentment that might have built up over the years. Um, or maybe pity. I don't know. We don't know, but um, probably a lot. And uh, But I do wonder with the whole, like, accusing them of being spies like three different times if he's 
<laughs> just yeah. there's a little bit of Jacob and Joseph, right? That, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to me, there's a it's a huge irony here. The least of peoples that uh, Egypt would be threatened by were yeah. the Bedouins, you know, of you know Canaan. Uh, so you're uh, spying out all of our weaknesses, of which, you know, in this particular time and instance, there are no weaknesses in the land of Egypt, especially to be exploited by a bunch of, you know, shep- wandering shepherd peoples yeah. who are not all, you know, united uh, in any form or fashion. So there is kind of a sense of uh, irony to the whole thing, uh, you know, as, 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 you look, you know, as you look at that. And it's hard to know, you know, exactly. Uh, you know, there's a probably a range of emotions, both in him seeing them and in, in confronting them and in turning away and weeping. Uh, we see largely as the story pans out, you know, compassion on the part of, of Joseph uh, in these moments. Uh, you know, and again, we remember that he named his oldest son. Um, You've helped me forget uh, my troubles and my, my sorrows in my father's household. Uh, this is bringing up, you know, very painful memories, but it's also, uh, you know, it also has to be a point of connection with his father and with his brother as well. So I'm assuming he was ready to see, he wants to see Benjamin, right? He's um, having them do this just so that he can see his full-blooded brother, right? Yeah. I just think... Um, this is Katie commentary here, but um, oh my Jacob, goodness! Yeah. Thank you for the warning. I know. <laughs> what was yeah. all the other commentary? <laughs> <laughs> That's from her husband. Well, <laughs> you just know it's got to be good. Um, but this uh, Jacob, Jacob, what he says at the end of this chapter is just such an example of how to be a manipulative father, <laughs> just like and just brutal to your children. But um, I don't know. I feel like there's not a whole lot of grace here and no, absolutely no forgiveness, but also his comment that, um, let's see, there's uh, Benjamin is the only one left. And of course he's talking about the only one who comes from Rachel, but, oh man, I mean, there's no, no wonder that all the other brothers have such resentment. No, there's no doubt that there's, there's you know, as, as much as along the way we've tried to spot every, moment of maturity we could right. possibly find in Jacob that he is still uh, the head of a very dysfunctional family mm-hmm. and obviously for you know Reuben to come and say you can kill my two sons you know if harm comes to your son and of course the last person that uh, you know at this point uh, you know that Jacob is going to entrust with his son is Reuben who has you know slept with one of his mm-hmm. one of his wives or one of his concubines and, and so you see the dysfunction the lack of trust in the family uh, of course, even I'm I'm entertained by the way the whole passage begins. Why aren't you just looking at yourself? <laughs> Get up and do something. You guys, <laughs> we're sitting here starving to we'll death, die. and all you guys are doing is sitting around the campfire, you know, looking looking at yourselves. Yeah. <clears throat> That's one of the, the fascinating things to me in this chapter is the the biggest problem should be the famine, right? That we're looking out and they're wondering how are we going to eat, and yet as the story unfolds, the biggest problem is not the famine; it's the relational dysfunction mm-hmm. that's caused by the sin of the people you know and, and again we're kind of brought back to the fourfold of what what is god go, what is god going to do to overcome the sin of people because we're watching relation, relational dysfunction we're watching hurt and heartache and brokenness continue to unfold and you know and, and even reading this in light of just i think it was in genesis 39 where you get that twofold uh, kind of reminder that the lord was with you know joseph the lord was with joseph we haven't really we haven't heard that explicitly, 
But it's implied all over these pages that the Lord is the one who continues to drive this story, although we've zoomed in on Joseph now and his brothers. And we're not getting a ton of mention of God you know, doing this or that or being with him. It's implied all throughout this that the Lord is the one who continues to now orchestrate there, all there these is, events. There is a slight shift in language uh, you know, from uh, the Lord, uh, the covenant name. You know of God, and, and um, uh, Joseph is using more of an, a generic, you know, name that would have been acceptable to Egyptians as well as Hebrews. And speaking here, and of course, you're not uh, the only mention you're hearing, you know, of the brothers is is the fear that uh, you know that their sin has come back on them. You know that you know God is indeed punishing. So there's this, this fear, not devotion. You know that's being expressed you know, in in all this. And you're right. You're so right, Matt. I mean, it's one thing to face calamity. It's another thing to face our <laughs> what calamity reveals to us about our sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the real tragedy is not so much the hardships that we face, but the sin that we bring into those hardships mm-hmm. and the dysfunction uh, that we add on top of. Uh, you know the hardships we're facing and so this family is deeply tested and you're seeing it kind of unravel uh, you know at, at several points I was just find this so interesting you know Reuben in verse 23 after I mean there's been so many years that have gone by and and maybe they've talked about Joseph maybe not like what exactly happened but immediately when this difficulty happens he's like man I told you guys we shouldn't have sinned against the boy he just brings up Joseph out of the blue right mm-hmm. you know like I, you know this is God um, getting us back, we have to give accounting for his blood. It's that thing that happened so far back that he's thinking, man, God's finally gonna get us now yeah. um, for what we did. It's the first thing that comes to his mind, which is just kind of wild. And, and you have to love the fact that they keep referring to themselves as honest men. Mm. <laughs> uh, they they have not been honest um, much at all. You know, one of them has you know deceived his daughter-in-law and actually ended up sleeping with her by mistake. Uh, one of them has slept, you know, with his you know, father's uh, wife. Another one of them, you know, another all of them, of course, have been complicit in uh, deceiving their father about what happened to Joseph. Uh, and so, for them to refer to themselves as, as honest men or innocent men, not worthy of judgment, uh, is, is everything but the truth. And given that, you know, Joseph is, is quite reserved, you know, in what he does. Of course, he puts them all in prison for three days, you know. Uh, <laughs> Let's just get a little taste of what that feels yeah. like. And then, of course, he binds Simeon, you know, just keeps the one and binds Simeon uh, in front of them all. And that's the last picture they have of him. Mm-hmm. All right. I was just going to say, you know, you have to love, now we must give an accounting for his blood. You know, going back to when, you know, God's speaking to Noah and his descendants, he says, you should not take the blood of another, for you must give an account of it. You know, and you're just, again, we're watching. Yeah, these people were formed by scripture, by these stories, you know, and and very much whether they could live up to it or not, yeah, very aware of who they were called to be, and how far they fell short of that. No, absolutely. Uh, well, David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. And Father, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you um, that in the middle of all the difficulties and the emotions and the the ups and the downs and the sin uh, of our lives. Um, we know that we can trust you. Um, thank you so much for the story of Joseph and how even in this dysfunction you are working out um, your wonderful plan. And so may we be people that trust you deeply. Um, may we be a people um, that look to your word and find encouragement in your word. 
And so, Father, may we be built up today, may we be shaped by your scriptures. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.